But tonight I'd just like to speak with you on the topic of Christianity 101. And if you're not saved and you're here tonight, um, I want you to know that God wants to save you more than anything. Uh, He has a plan for each of us, and that is so important. That's the single most important thing you'll do. I have gotten married. uh, We've bought a house. We've built a home. Um, God blessed me to give birth to three babies that are now not babies. And uh, as a result, we have two little grandsons. And I'm just telling you, um, God's blessings are big. And... um, But I wouldn't be here had it not been for him leading me and guiding me. Um, Again, if you're not saved, you'll have an opportunity at the end of the service to do that. And uh, most important thing you can do, and I can't drive that home uh, far enough. But as a Christian, for all of you who are here and are Christians, I just wanted to cover a few things and say that the Christian life, number one, is not going to be easy. You all sitting out there looking at me, you know that, you've been there. Many of you have been through the mountains and the valleys. Some of you are there now. But I'll tell you what I found. When I am in a valley, I'm never closer to God than when I'm in a valley because he's not only holding my hand, there's just one set of footprints many times he's carrying me. And that's what life requires sometimes. I'm telling you, being saved all my life, I don't know how people make it. I don't how, I, I just don't know how they manage. Um, I really don't. But I do know that uh, God wants us all to be saved. And he gives us our own will. It's up to us. Um, you know, let it be done in, in heaven as it is on earth. Well, on earth it's different. God's will is done in heaven. But on earth it's different because he gives us our will. And we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I always say to Keith, I'm not perfect because you're not perfect. (laughs) But the truth is, he may not be perfect because I'm not perfect. But um, with that said, uh, we're not called to be perfect. We're called to be godly as we can be, righteous, washed in his blood, and thank God for forgiveness because I need it daily. Whenever I I pray... um, It's always been important to me to pray, even as a little girl. I would always pray, of course, the God is great, God is good prayer, which is very important to teach your children because it teaches them how to begin their prayer life. And moving on from that, though, when you begin to pray and you're saved, you don't want to stay on that baby bottle milk. You want to work your way through life, and the sooner the better, and work your way up to what I like to call the meat and potatoes, Christian, where you can get solid food. But you do have to start being uh, on that milk diet at first and work your way up. And as life goes on and the trials and tribulations come and the test, God will test us. Satan tempts us. God will test us. Satan does not test us. God does. God does not tempt us. Satan does. God will never tempt you. He will test you. And in my Christian life, as I started out learning how to pray and moving along, um, I realized quickly when you have a test, you have a testimony. And I want to encourage you as Christians that if in your testimony, if you have a chance to come up here 
There's no need to be nervous. There's no need to be afraid. Just if you get an opportunity to speak to anybody, a Sunday school class or anyone, give your story because that's how we relate. I can sit in a classroom and learn all day long how to be a real estate agent, and I've done that, and I've passed the test. However, when I got out and started figuring out those rusted lockbox codes, and when I started learning that the last person that showed the house kept the key in their pocket, and all of the things that go along with that, and after you show them 20 houses and they need, I don't know, 86 more, that is when I learned how to really be a real estate agent. And my dad calls that OJT, and that stands for on-the-job training because that's how you learn to be a nurse. You get in the hospital room and do your work or a realtor or, or a pastor or whatever, or whatever God has for you. But moving along with the prayer, um, I pray most of the time at night, but I also like to get up in the mornings and I pray. And I don't want y'all to think I've got a perfect prayer life because I don't. I'm you know, pulled and tugged at with family and, and kids. And I mean, you know, the phone can ring and distract us. However, I like to pray in my prayer closet. And I actually have a closet that I get in and I shut the door. Now, with that said, there's no windows, so I try not to get distracted. But sometimes that happens because, you know, you start wandering and you start counting your shoes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I try not to count my shoes. And... Um, but when I'm in my prayer closet, I have learned that praying in my prayer closet in total silence in the house is the best time. Now, if you have small children or grandchildren staying with you, that's going to be hard to do. And I'll tell you something else. When my family goes to work, I walk around my house and I say prayers in each room. When I'm in my son's room, I say a prayer for him. When I'm in my daughter's rooms, my every room in our house, I pray, especially in the kitchen because that's where we tend to gather as a family the most. And um, I pray out loud, and I pray specifically because God is a God of detail. Have you ever held a newborn baby? God's a God of detail. Have you ever seen their eyelashes? God's a God of detail. And with that, we are to pray in detail. We are to pray specifically for the need. When Keith was healed from cancer, God woke me up during the night, told me where to lay my hands, and I did that. But God also gave me the prayer to pray because that prayer didn't come from me, and I told Keith that the next morning. That prayer, I'm, I'm not smart enough to have come up with that prayer. So that prayer came from God. And one word I noticed in that, a detail from the Lord, complete. He said, pray for complete healing. There's a difference when we pray specifically. Three weeks later, after about an eight-hour surgery, Keith was healed. Not because of me, but because of obedience and prayer and what God chose to do. We need to be prepared in life for what comes our way. Sometimes, like I said, we're going to be on the mountain. Sometimes we're going to be in the valley. But don't fret when you're in the valley because that's not necessarily a bad place because that's when you're walking with God the closest. You know, there was a little elderly couple and they had been married almost 60 years. And they would go on little trips on Saturday afternoon in his old pickup truck. And the husband would drive and the wife would sit over in the passenger seat. 
and they'd been married a long time and they were growing older and maybe not growing apart so much, but just growing older. And as they were going down the road with that Saturday afternoon with the windows down, she looked over to him and she said, with a lot of space between them on the front seat, she said to him, I remember when you used to want me to sit beside you. He looked straight ahead as he was driving and he said, I never moved. God's the same way. When we draw close to God, that's something we need to make the effort to do because he's there. He's never moved. God is the same today, tomorrow, and always. And when we draw close to him, he will draw close to us. But there are some ways that we can be kept from drawing close to him. When I was growing up, my dad would always say to me, be sure the pipeline's clean. And for a while I thought, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then I realized it's really not because that pipeline is where sin gets in the way and clogs up the relationship between you and Christ. And we want to keep that clean. We want to go to our prayer closets or lay in your bed at night or get in a chair. I have a a little sitting room. and We don't use it very often, but I've I've got a chair and a table and a lamp and an ottoman, and, and that's sometimes where I go. And pray, but just get quiet and get alone. And if you can't, just go in your closet. It'll take them probably about half an hour to find you. So you should be good. But when you're praying, be sure that the first thing is you praise God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's praise. We need to give him praise. Don't start with what I call the Santa Claus list because God is not that. He is almighty. He is all-powerful. And if we as Christians would wake up and realize how much power he gives us through prayer, I'm telling you, if I hadn't awakened during the night, got myself awake and sat up in that bed, put my hands on my husband and prayed, I really don't think he would be here. The doctor told us when we left for the consult, they told us on Friday, we got the phone call, and then on Monday morning we went to consult with the doctor. And he said as we were leaving his office, with tears in his eyes, this is a famous, renowned urologist, surgeon. And I'm telling you, that man don't cry over everything. He had tears in his eyes as we were leaving his office that morning. He patted Keith on the back and he hugged me. And he said, Keith, if there's anything you ever wanted to do, you need to do it in the next three weeks before this surgery. What he didn't tell us is the type cancer my husband had spreads like wildfire in young men. And guess what? Keith is still, historically speaking, on record, he's the youngest man in the state of Alabama, perhaps the southeast, with this particular type of cancer. But the next morning, the doctor came in, and he said, Keith, you're the luckiest man in the world. And Keith and I looked at each other, and I said to the doctor, luck has nothing to do with it. We can't live on luck. We can't thrive on luck. We can't pay our bills on luck. But you know what? With a heavenly Father that's side by side and in us and through us every day, we can. So it's important when you're in that valley to be close to to the Lord as you can. When you're on the mountain, God is teaching me when things are great and everything looks wonderful and I'm going to the beach next week. 
and you're on that mountain because I love the ocean. Keith hates it. I love it. But you know what? When I'm on the mountain, God is teaching me to be just as close and need him just as much. Because, you know, if we didn't talk to our earthly dad for a long time or mom, there would be a distance grown and there would be some sadness, especially on their part if we didn't take time to call them and to tell them we love them and just communicate with them. Same way with God. I think it hurts him when we move away from him. So we don't need to do that because we don't have to do that. Now, with that said, as you move along in life, being a Christian, trials and heartaches are going to come our way. The Bible says not if, but when. Very important, when. And it'll happen. Many of you are there now. And I just want to encourage you to get in your prayer closet, start your prayer with praise, and then as we go on, Give us this day our daily bread. You know why that's written as the model prayer for us? Because yesterday is gone, isn't it? Can't do anything about it. Yesterday it's gone. Tomorrow isn't here. Why do we need to worry about tomorrow? I've got a dental appointment tomorrow. I'm not really happy about that. But you know what? I have a great dentist, and I have an even greater God. And I don't really stress. Of course, I will kind of clench when I get in the chair in the morning. I don't know why I do that, even when I get my teeth cleaned. But we need to live in today. Give us this day our daily bread, don't we? And what does that mean? That means the physical bread that God will give us, and that means the spiritual bread that God will give us. Because it's there. Sometimes we've got to scrape the dust off of it, get it out and read it, because it's vital. It's vital. And I saw my dad die right in front of me. And you know what I realized? It didn't matter how many hours my dad had put in at work. Didn't matter. None of that mattered. How much money my dad made, didn't matter. None of that. When my dad died right in front of my eyes, with me holding his hands, combing his hair over and saying, just let go, Daddy. Go be with Jesus now. We're going to be fine. He didn't want to leave us. But he did right whenever I said that. And you know what? Nothing mattered at that point that I knew and he knew that he had salvation and Jesus in his heart. And I'm telling you, it's going to come for all of us that day. I can remember that day like it was yesterday. That doctor let me go back and he let me sit. Uh, they pulled up a chair. And as they were a whole team, code blue team, was working on my dad for over an hour, I, could, I was sitting in that chair and I remember lifting my legs just a little bit and they were doing this because I'd seen the paramedics and the firemen and the trauma and the ambulance and then I'd gotten to the hospital and dad kept trying to tell me something. I couldn't understand what he was saying and it was very simple what he was saying but I couldn't put it together. And when I got to that hospital and, I, and the doctor let me come back, the, lady, the nurse said, he doesn't let people come back. He really doesn't. But... I don't know if when I came in and asked about my dad that he was in ambulance number seven and they were backlogged and I didn't know why it was so crowded, but I just need to see my dad because I don't think he's going to make it. I knew. I had that feeling and I knew. But on the flip side of that, I also knew when I prayed that prayer, I could feel the chains coming off of me. I could feel 
just a lifting of my spirit, and I knew my husband was going to be saved. I mean, not saved, going to be uh, saved from cancer. And I knew that my dad was probably not going to know it, make it. You know how you have that feeling? You just have that feeling. And so I had that feeling I was sitting there, and I, during the whole over an hour I sat there, and it was a lot of trauma, even on me, and every time they got Dad's heart, back, heart rate back and I could see the blood pressure pop up again, uh, I would just yell out, Dad, I'm here. It's Susan, I'm here, just to try to comfort him. Because every time I'd go to my office across town, he would want me to be nearby uh, right there in the last days. I think he knew that um, something was going to happen like this. And so no matter what you go through, no matter what, and I get up here and talk about this, and you just say, well, that's a great story. But if you knew how deeply it cuts whenever something like ha that happens, and many of you do know, and if you knew how much it hurt me whenever Keith got cancer, because the Bible teaches us that a husband and wife are one. So Keith's cancer became my cancer. And it was just like it was on me. And so we are in our mountains, we are in our valleys, and different times, different things are going to come our way. But we must be prayed up and we must be ready. And God gives us that if we just take it and run with it. God gives us so much power through prayer. I'm telling you, I've seen things, not just that, a big thing. I've seen things on a day-in and day-out basis where people have been saved that you've been praying for for 40 years. There's still people I'm praying for. My mother is one of those people. I love her. The Bible says, honor your mother and father. It does not say, honor them if they've never abandoned you. It does not say, honor them only if they haven't mistreated you. No, ma'am, no, sir. It says, honor your mother and father so that your days will be long on the earth. And I mean, when God prints it in black and white, he means it. And with that said, um, I pray for my mother. I love my mother. I pray for many family members that I believe, I, we don't know their heart. Bible says we don't know our own heart. That's how human we are. Even on our best day as a Christian, we don't know our own heart. So you start your prayer in your pray, prayer closet with praise. And then you ask God to just give you today. We don't want anything else to get in the way. Just give me today, Lord. Spiritually and physically, the food I need. And then you ask God to forgive you of your trespasses. That means forgive you of your sins. And I believe after we come to God and we repent at that point in our prayer, I believe after that is a good time for us to petition the Lord for sickness, for um, people who need to be saved, for um, maybe there's unforgiveness in your heart that can keep you from being on that mountain with the Lord. There's so many things, and we have to keep our prayer life in check because if it's not in check, then I, myself, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not going to be able to get up in the mornings and I'm not going to be able to be down at the Dollar General or at my office or wherever I may be for the day and see that person in front of me in line who's having to go get money out of their cup holder to finish. Don't ever allow somebody to do that. Keep cash on you. What do I mean by that? You say, oh, Miss Rice, I don't have a lot of cash. Well, guess what? 
Keith and I both work on commission jobs. You know what that breaks down to? If we don't sell, we don't eat. Like many of you. You know, many of you are in commission jobs. And, but let me tell you how that works. I learned a long time ago from another pastor, and he said to me, always keep some cash in your pocket. It may not be but 2 or $3. It may be a $10 bill or $5 bill. It doesn't have to be a lot. But whenever you see that need in front of you, act on that because it's not about what everybody sees. It's about what God knows. And that's a beautiful thing. And during the day, I know our pastor's like that. He will, I've seen him at Walmart in action, and he's not burning up his treasure, and I'm not burning up for him. But I'm just telling you, all of that is going on the shelves with the Lord in heaven. And I'm telling you, that's a beautiful thing. Um, as I pray and I try to stay close to God, and the world's always tugging and pulling at us. So if that's where you're at tonight, don't beat yourself up. That's normal. That's where many of us are. And I'm telling you, I've been saved 44 years, but it's a battle some days. So it's not easy. God never said it would be easy. There was a, a country music singer when I was growing up. She was my favorite. And anybody in here under 40 is not going to know who this is. But her name's Lynn Anderson. And she had a song called, some of you know, um, I never promised you a rose garden. Google it. This side, Google it. Because I know y'all are all way younger than I am. And, um, but it's a beautiful song. And there's a lot of truth in that because God has never promised us a rose garden as a Christian. He just says, I'll get you through it. I'll give you strength. And I'm, I, I'm reminded of um, Whenever I'm passing through the fire on something, and it's not just my husband's cancer or my dad's death, or there's been a lot of things along the way because if you live long enough, it's going to happen. And I think of things as this way. A couple of things I want to share about prayer life. One, when you're going through a hard time, I guess as a woman it's easier for me to picture this, but, but you can get the, grasp the concept. I think of myself as um, a gemologist, somebody who digs, uh, out of the mountainside, a gym. And they take the brush and they clean it off. And do y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, you clean it off and, uh, hey, that's a keeper. That, that'll be good in the jewelry store in a few months. And they, he takes that back to his workshop. And he cleans it up, shines it up. And what does he do? He passes it through the fire. But when it goes through that fire and it comes out on the other side, it's radiant. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful gem. And you know, and when I say that, I mean G-E-M. And that's how we are as Christians because, you know, you are kind of scruffled looking. But when God saves you and cleans you up and even passes you through the fire of tribulations, you come out on the other side even more beautiful to him. And that's where we want to be. And also, when I'm in my prayer closet, I, of course, start with praise, and I go through the steps that I took you through. And then, as I'm finishing my prayer time, I go out the same door I came in with praise because he is worthy. I am not, but he is. And so we praise God, and we take the steps I told you, and when we finish, we leave uh, with praise. And it says, forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
the power and the glory forever. Amen. That is praise. So the model prayer teaches us a lot. Should we be stuck on that word for word? Not necessarily, because we all have different needs in our lives and petitions that we want to bring before the Lord. However, that is a good model prayer to go by. Whether you're a brand new Christian or not, I always remember to start and end with praise. Because God doesn't want, I believe, us to go to him any other way. The best way that I can tell you to draw close to the Lord once you have established a format of how you're going to pray, that's very important. Uh, I like to pray out loud. Sometimes I pray silently. But, you know, all my life I've been taught about praying without ceasing. That's very important. What does that mean? It took me a while to catch on. It does not mean that we are to call in work and say, hey, they said yesterday at church I've got to stay home and pray all day. No, that's not what it means. You all know that it means that we are to pray without ceasing. Me being an a, a real estate agent, I'm in my car a lot. That's kind of my office many days. And I'm fine with that because I'd rather be there than sitting in an office at my desk. And as I'm, I'm there um, and I'm uh, going through my day, maybe one of the kids calls and uh, Ashley recently had, um, uh, she's got a little stress fracture going on and just different things during the day. Every day's going to be different. Things are going to come your way. And you pray without ceasing. And a good time <coughs> for me is to pray in my car. And I don't pray the whole time. And I sure don't close my eyes. I keep my eyes open. But I'm just saying, whether you're in your car or you're in your office, wherever you're at, pray without ceasing. Because whenever, also, whenever you say to someone on Facebook or a friend or relative, whoever, and you say, I'll pray for you, don't just post that and move on. You pray for them, and you pray for them right then. Because there's power in prayer, but God is an on-time God. God is a timely God, and we need to learn that doesn't need to wait till our bedtime prayer. That needs to be done. And you don't even have to do it out loud if you can't. Just say it to God. I know people look at me strange when I'm at the red light because I pray when I'm in my car, sometimes out loud because it helps me uh, to feel closer to God, just like I'm having a conversation. That's another thing I can teach you in Christianity 101 is kind of what I called this. I'm not worthy to be teaching it, but I just want to share from the heart these things with you that might be, help you be just a little bit encouraged for tomorrow, Monday morning. So anyway, as I was saying, um, I just wanted to share with you these things, and I wanted to let you know that we can pray without ceasing. It's also important to teach our children and our grandchildren. I figure at 31, 28, and 25, if my children haven't grasped the prayer thing yet, I probably can't help them a whole lot, but God has sent me a new generation, an 11-year-old and a 15-month-old, and they are precious boys to us, but more importantly, they are precious to God. And you know what God expects of Mimi? God expects me to pass on everything I can teach them. When you're an agent and you know a lot, I've been an agent for nine years, 
And my broker would always say, Susan, I'd put you up against anybody. I, I've interviewed with the best of the best. I've interviewed with the number ones all over Birmingham. And I got the listing. And I sold the listing. But let me tell you how I did that with God. But God expects a lot of us. To much is given, much is required. And we have to remember that as Christians. We also need to know what I was talking about earlier, how hurtful Keith's cancer, my dad's death, so many things that's come down the pike are. It's because when you love deeply, you hurt deeply. And you know, whenever that happened to my dad, I felt so broken for a day or two, even though I left that ER room, ER room number 23 at St. Vincent's, and I walked across the hall to the bathroom, and I locked the door, and I got on my knees, yes, on that dirty floor, that's what I was thinking at first. I got on my knees, and I looked up to God, and I thanked him for healing my dad because he had taken him, but he had answered the prayer. Maybe not how I wanted it, like it turned out with Keith, but God answered my prayer. And I got on my knees, and I prayed to him in that bathroom, and I said something very important to him, but I spoke it from the heart. Same thing with Keith's cancer. It is well with my soul. I have been singing that song since I was four years old. When my dad married that stepmom that led me to the Lord, I was almost four. And we joined the local North Highland Baptist Church where I was saved and baptized. Went to five-year-old private kindergarten there. Then I ended up at uh, North Highland Elementary in uh, Hueytown and uh, grew up with all the Allisons. So if y'all are race fans, that's great. I've never been a big race fan, but we know them all took dance class with the kids. And um, Davey's young, Davey was younger than me. And um, anyway, my point being, in that church where I grew up and I learned how to pray and I learned a lot about the Lord, every day I move on up on being a meat and potatoes Christian because God doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to look at that model prayer and not do that specifically, but to have a guide to go by. He wants us to pass it on to the other generations. And by that, I'm going to share a little story with you. And I'm not, there's things we can do every day. Like I said, giving people a few dollars in the line. I saw a little girl and boy one time, little kids, at Krispy Kreme Donut. And I shouldn't have been there. But <laughs> I was there. And um, I'm sure I repented that night about that. But um, I was there. And um, they, they didn't have enough money to pay for the donuts. And I thought, you know, if you're seven years old, that's bad. I'm not sure it's not bad at my age, but uh, that'll get you down. So I helped them out. But um, anyway, with that said, I try to teach Sawyer because he's 11, and I try to teach him as much as I can because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next. And I'll be honest with you, when your kids or your grandkids, for me it's been both, are in the car with you, it's a great time to really not fuss at them, not nag, because guess what? Tomorrow, that argument's probably not even going to matter. What is important is that every opportunity you get, you give them morsels, nuggets of everything you know about Jesus. And going back to my real estate, when my broker said she'd put me up against anybody, I've been selling for nine years, and what she meant by that is about my second or third year, I began to teach. And everybody's like, why are you teaching? I've 
been here 12 years. Why are you teaching? I'll tell you why. Because I'm the kind of person, when I learn something that is good and is going to help somebody else because I know it's helped me, I'm not going to sit at my de desk and keep my mouth closed. I'm going to get in those classes. We actually have had the Real Estate Commission come in and check off on everything that I taught, and I knew she liked me because she was shaking her head the whole time. But my point is, whatever you learn, your job, about the Lord, everything, you can share that with others and help people. And when I had my kids in my car, they couldn't run. And that was a great opportunity to teach them, don't you think? Where's she? I was looking for her with all the kids. Great opportunity. I'll tell her after the service. And so with that said, I wanted to help people. That's why I began to teach, and it was hard for me because I remember in 2010 I had nine homes under contract at the same time. And I thought I was doing just fine because a good old agent who now owns his own company, he said, Susan, you get a notebook and you write down everybody and everything in details and you keep it on the front seat of your car. And he was one of the people that helped me learn. And he's quite successful these days and he has been for quite a while. And I learned from him. And then on the flip side of that, um, I learned that whenever people share information with me, I want to share information. And so as I had my kids in my car, I taught them a lot, and I do that with Sawyer. But the other day, what I was going to tell y'all, the other day, and I'm not in any way bragging on me, I'm telling you, Keith and I, especially me, leading in this, I'm getting back to a simpler life. Everything I have right now is the most that I'll probably ever have. Why is that? You said, oh, Susan, you're not that old, but let me tell you, I don't want it. I don't need it. I've gotten to a point where when I, me and Ashley purge in our closets, I mean, we could feed, I mean, we could clothe a lot of people. And it's just, I told Keith the other day, I'm not buying anymore. I don't want anymore. I'm not buying anymore. I'm just done with that. It's not fulfilling me. Any kind of things in life that you think will fulfill you, they really won't. They, after a while, when you start really knowing who God is and what life's about, watching your dad die in front of you or whatever many of you have been through, none of that matters anymore. So Sawyer went to camp last week. That's why we weren't here. We were last Sunday morning. We go to that church once a year, and we see Sawyer off to camp. And they came back on Wednesday morning. And I'm always the designated grandparent that picks up Sawyer. So every time I pick him up, I ask him, where do you want to go today? I know he's tired because he's been to camp in the rivers and the lakes, canoeing and up half the night with the other kids. But he always tells me something great he wants to go do or somewhere he wants to eat lunch. And so Wednesday morning, he said, let's go to the Galleria. We were already in Hoover by that church where I picked him up. And I said, okay, let's go to the Galleria. And Keith and I will go sometimes on a maybe a Saturday night or Friday night. It's totally different during the day, in the mornings. It's kind of quiet. There's not many people there. And you'll start seeing the business people from the towers come down and uh, get their lunch. And as we were sitting there, Sawyer and I always like to sit on the comfort uh, sofa. Many times we'll sit side by side and we'll just watch people and we'll watch the carousel. And... We decided, after a few minutes of sitting there, we had finally, because there's too many choices, we had finally decided what we wanted for lunch. Problem was, we didn't want the same thing. 
So he was in a line, and I was keeping this eye on him while I was in this line because it was starting to get a little bit crowded. And so I walk up to order my food, and um, actually I didn't get food. I got like a smoothie, and the lady was um, standing there. was a young lady, and she was just the sweetest young lady, and we got to talking. I didn't ask her name. She didn't ask my name, but I kind of became friends with her, just, you know, being kind and encouraging her. And I, trust me, you can ask my husband. There's days I'm not kind. I'm far from it. But when we pray, and we don't even have to get in our closet, you just say your prayer, start your day. And I use the analogy of a vase being right here where my soul would be, I think. And I just say, Lord, empty that of me and fill it with you. And if we'll ask that every day, that takes on a, that's a great analogy, and it takes on a whole different meaning. And I'm telling you, I'm a simple person. Every, like I said, everything I have now, I probably won't ever have any more, and I'm going to start moving down very soon. But as Sawyer and I were out at this Galleria, and we were um, in line, I was trying to keep an eye on him, and I was making friends with this lady because we don't know what other people are going home to. We don't know what they're going through. The first time I went out to Teen Challenge, Keith can tell you, I came home, I hugged him, and I started crying. And he said, what's wrong? And I said to him, I'm so thankful for my life. Some of it is the choices I've made, but all of it is God. And I'm telling you, we don't know what other people go through. We don't know what they go home to, physical abuse, verbal abuse. I mean, there's many, many things. Nobody's life is perfect. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying we don't know. So when we see somebody out, that's nothing but an opportunity to love them. And you know what? If we're prayed up and in the Spirit, we can love them to Jesus. And we may not, they may not get saved right then. Don't, don't despair about that because we're seed planters. We are to plant seeds for the Lord. And if that happens enough, 7, 8, 10, 20 people come along, they may give their heart to the Lord then. But we, we can be seed planters. So I was talking to this girl, and we were laughing and cutting up, and uh, I got my food, and here comes Sawyer with his food, and we go to sit down, but we're standing there. Actually, we had already eaten, and we came back over toward the food court because we were going to go to some stores. And... I was just looking down, and somebody walked by me, and I had never in my life seen such a bad pair of shoes. And I know you think, Miss Rice, it wasn't that bad. It was that bad. The glue was no longer holding. I didn't know it until we got to talking, but that person could flip their, the front of their shoe up, and you could see their toes. Now, this is somebody working an eight-hour shift melted this Mimi's heart. And I got my grandson's hands, and I said, I'm not really sure how to go about this because I would never hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm going to buy them a pair of shoes. And Sawyer holding my hand said, Mimi, God will tell you what to say. You'll know what to say. He wasn't worried at all. I was. And so... That person was on their lunch break, and it was that same young lady that I had made friends with. And I went over to her, 
And it was kind of awkward at first. I didn't know what to say because, I mean, how do you say, I want to buy you a pair of shoes? But you know what? I said to her, are you on your lunch break? And she said, yes. And I said, how long do you get? And she said, 30 minutes. And I said, I don't guess you'd have time to go with me down here to one of these stores. And she said, what? And I said, I just noticed you might could use a new pair of shoes. And she said, oh, no, no, no. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then God said to me, tell her what I'm doing in your life. And so I said to her, I took her arm, because I remember I'd already made friends with her. I took her arm and I said, you know, God's been doing a work in me lately. And every day I do a kind deed. And this was the truth. I wasn't lying to her. I said, every day I do a kind deed. And I can't always afford to buy somebody a pair of shoes. I'm just like everybody else. But when God lays something on your heart, he'll provide. And you know what? Sometimes it's just holding the door for somebody. And you say, well, Miss Rice, when you work from home, what do you do? I talk to clients all day long. And God gives me a choice between being kind or being unkind. That's planting a seed for Jesus. So that's a kind deed. So with that said, she started coming around to the idea. Took her just a minute. Thank goodness there was people in front of her. So I had a few minutes before she got up to the Chinese counter. And she said, um, I, I said, well, I really would like for you to go with me. But I mean, I knew after lunch she would be there another five hours working. And I mean, God said to me, don't leave that mall without following through. Because he gets us out of our comfort zone. I didn't mind buying her the shoes, but it was a little bit hard how I had to work it. So I said, God's doing a working in me, and today I believe the kind deed he has for me, not that God limits us to one, but I believe it was to buy a pair of shoes. And whenever I say buy a pair of shoes, I'm not talking about dirty. I'm not talking about old. I'm talking about the glue had done come unglued. And it was just breaking my heart. So I said, you know what? Would you?" I was looking at the one she had on and trying to get a sense of what she wanted and what she might like. And I said, of course, it was hard to tell. They were that bad. It was hard for me to get a brand off of them. And I said, I tell you what, you just tell me what size, and I'll go do my best. Ma'am, you don't have to do this. For, I said, I know I don't, but God's doing a work in, in me, and I want to share that with you. And so she gave me the size and the information, and I said, I'll be right back. Sawyer and I went. Why do I tell you this? Because we can sit in a car when our kids can't move, and we can tell them, but it's important to show them. That's how they learn. That's how I learn. And so Sawyer and I went and bought the shoes, and guess what? They were on sale. God is not going to give you a real estate license and let you starve to death. God is not going to put you in the situation I was in at the Galleria and not make a good deal out of it. They were on sale, and I said, Sawyer, pick her out another pair. And then he, we were starting to the counter, and I said, pack of socks would complete the deal. But I didn't say it. God said it to me. And I said, Sawyer, come on, let's get her a pack of socks. And so we bagged them up. We got her size. They were on sale. 
and they had two pair like, like I thought she would like, and they were her size. So we put them in the bag we, after buying them, and we headed back down, and there was another girl at the counter, and I said, because I didn't get her name, I said, is the other little girl here? And she said, I think she's finishing her lunch. She's in the back. I'll get her. And she came out, and when she saw that shopping bag, she was smiling from ear to ear. Now, I'm not telling you to keep a bunch of money in your pocket. I'm not telling you that giving dollars and not paying bills is the way to go. That's wrong. I'm not telling you anything like that. But I'm telling you that when we get in our prayer closet and we pray, God's going to do a work. And by that I mean we ask Satan to, uh, we ask God to remove the blinders that Satan has put on us. Because guess what? When you have tunnel vision, I used to think that's a good thing. That's not a good thing because if you've got tunnel vision, it's like the dog that's had surgery and has that lampshade-looking thing on them. You're not going to see everybody else. That's what it looks like to me, a lampshade. Those lampshades are expensive, by the way, because I had to buy one from a dog recently. But with that said, we're not going to see other people and their needs. We're going to be all caught up in us if we have that tunnel vision. So what I'm saying to you is... In Christianity 101, I'm not even worthy to be even speaking about it, but I'll, I'm just sharing with you what God's taught me. Get in your prayer closet, pray, read your Bible is the second best way to grow close to Him, but without prayer, you don't have that relationship. That's a garden that you have to water whenever you're, you're praying to God. And by the way, God showed me this lately. Prayer is not a speech. It's a conversation. Think about that. Because whenever we pray, we must also hear and listen. Some people say, God's not answering. Maybe he's not, but maybe he is, and we're not listening. You know how you, you fix that? Getting the cobwebs out of sin, cleaning it up, and you've got that pipeline clean that my dad used to always speak of. So pray, read your Bible, get in corporate worship like we do here on Sunday morning, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights. Put yourself around other people. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. And if you're doing those things, you're going to become the meat and potatoes Christian and get off that baby bottle and start growing because that's like what life's about. Don't wait until you're on your deathbed because my dad didn't do that, but I've seen people do that. And don't start enjoying God and reaping his benefits. A couple of things I want to leave you with quickly. One, um, it will also help you when your, uh, your prayer life is right when you come to church. You won't want to complain. You won't want to even complain on Facebook about things. Imagine that. I'm telling you. Somebody put on Facebook the other day. I need accountability. And I thought, no, judging by your last 10 posts, you need a therapist. <laughs> I'm telling you. I, it just embarrasses me what's on there. And I'm thinking, Lord, just let me walk in the spirit because otherwise I'm going to say something ugly. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not. But I am human, and, and I just want to say that to you. But here's the deal. You won't complain. There won't be any arguments in the church, no complaining, because you know what? We don't have room for that. Or on Facebook, or out there at the job, or wherever you're at. And you, um, 
there was a preacher up, uh, finishing up his sermon one time. And um, he got up there and, you know, he was in front of everybody and he was closing the service out and he closed with prayer. And a lady, a little bit of an instigator, came up to him after church and she said, Preacher, I didn't like that prayer. And he said to her, I wasn't talking to you. We're talking to God, aren't we? We're talking to God. So we don't have to worry about things like that. But when you pray and you walk in the Spirit and it's a daily task, you've got to start all over every day. Why does God give us a sunrise? Because we start all over. That's what the sun, sunrise and sunset's for. God ends the day, but he begins the day. And no matter what you've done yesterday or today, tomorrow's a new day. Always remember that. Let me, let me leave you with these verses. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everything in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven.